You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We begin with breaking news. Vancouver police are searching for a suspect in a violent home invasion that sent a woman to hospital with serious injuries. Nadia Stewart is live in the West End where this happened. And Nadia, this should be a warning to others because police believe the suspect got in through an unlocked patio door. Yeah, this is what police are telling us. They say that the apartment was accessible from the ground floor. The incident happened this morning at around 6.30 in the area of Beach Avenue and Jervis Street. The suspect made his way into the apartment. The woman was in there alone. The suspect attacked the woman and then left. Before he left, though, we're told that he hit her with a blunt force object. The victim was able to get help. Police were called after the attack happened. She's now in hospital with serious injuries. Police are reminding the public to check doors and windows to ensure they're locked. We always encourage people to take precautions for their own personal safety. One of those precautions is to uh, ensure that doors and windows are locked. Um, we know that thieves will take any opportunity that they can to enter a yard or enter a residence to steal things. That said, this woman did not deserve what happened to her. She was in a place where she should feel the safest. She was in her home. All right, Nadia, what do we know about the suspect at this point? Well, Sophie, police have given us a description of the man. We'll give you those details right now. He is Caucasian, believed to be in about his 30s, about six feet tall, with short, short dark hair and stubble. He was last seen wearing a red T-shirt and blue jeans as he was walking away from the crime scene. Police are asking any witnesses, anyone who might have heard or seen anything, to call the Vancouver Police or Crime Stoppers. Back to you. All right, thanks for that, Nadia Stewart, in the West End for us. A Vancouver man charged with sexual assault and robbery after he allegedly followed a woman home from a bus stop has been granted bail. Aaron MacArthur was in court for that decision and has more on the conditions Cho Wing Ma must abide by. Because this is a bail hearing, I'm unable to report on any of the evidence that was presented before the judge. I'm not even able to give you the judge's reason for granting bail. Mr. Ma? Mr. Ma? No, 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 no. But I can say Canadian law in cases like this is quite clear. Incarceration before trial is the exception rather than the rule. Ma is accused of a May 23rd sex assault of a 26-year-old Japanese exchange student in East Vancouver. Vancouver police say she was followed home from a bus stop and then assaulted inside her own home. Police had decent surveillance video of the prime suspect at the time. Ma was arrested without incident and then charged with sexual assault and robbery a few days later. While he awaits his trial, Ma will be released into the custody of his family who are posting a $100,000 surety. He will be electronically monitored with an ankle bracelet and placed on house arrest. He can only go outside for specific reasons, doctor's appointments or meetings with his lawyer. He must always be in the company of either his wife, two grown children or his brother who live at that address. He needs to report for psychological assessment as well and has consented to follow the treatment recommendations, including all medication prescribed. He will also have to surrender his travel documents immediately. He's also being further restricted in his movements by a broad no-go zone between 49th and 41st Avenues from Elliott to Rupert. As well, 
not being anywhere near his alleged victim. Cho Wing Ma's next court date scheduled for July 17th. Back to you. Aaron MacArthur reporting for us. RCMP are warning the public about an attack on a senior in South Surrey. It happened in the 14700 block of 17th Avenue. The victim, a 78-year-old woman, was walking with her husband when a stranger hit her in the face with an unknown object. The assault caused significant but non-life-threatening injuries. The suspect is described as a middle-aged Caucasian male uh, with a long body and short bowed legs with dark hair. If anybody was in the area that may have dash cam footage or uh, CCTV vid uh, video footage, is to please contact our investigators. Former Metro Vancouver hockey and baseball coach Randy Downs has been found guilty on two counts of voyeurism for taking secret photos of two boys while they changed in a locker room. Jill Bennett has more on how Downs has defended the photos and why the judge wasn't buying it. The case focused on dozens of photographs taken of two former players. They were between the ages of 12 and 14 when they were photographed in a locker room. This happened in June of 2013 and August of 2015. Can you say anything about being found guilty today? You don't like your picture taken without giving consent? Can you say any? Why did you take those pictures of those boys? In finding Randy Downs guilty on two counts of voyeurism, Madam Justice Heather McNaughton said the photos of the boys were obviously taken secretly. They were done in a place where they were both vulnerable and done in a place with a reasonable expectation people would be nude. Downs was also a professional photographer, but the judge ruled these photos were not professional. Many of them had been cropped to focus in on the torsos and the underwear of the boys. Downs coached baseball and hockey in many parts of Metro Vancouver. In 2016, he was stopped at the border coming back into Canada. A border agent found photos on a phone and a computer he deemed suspicious. That led to the RCMP investigation and the charges. Outside court today, Downs had very little to say. Why people hate the media? Downs has been ordered to undergo a psychological assessment. He'll be sentenced on November 1st. Back to you. Well, Burnaby RCMP have identified the driver in a fatal hit and run last week. The victim, a 71-year-old man, was hit on Marine Way and Boundary Road last Thursday morning. RCMP now say they have identified the driver and the semi-truck involved. The driver has been interviewed and is said to be cooperating with police. The investigation continues. No charges have been laid. Vancouver's police chief is confirming to Global News New Westminster Police conducted an investigation into allegations of inappropriate behavior within the VPD. The allegations against two senior officers brought forward by Constable Nicole Chan, who took her own life in January. Rumina Dea has more on the investigation and what the chief says about the department's actions. VPD Constable Nicole Chan's suicide note did not say why she ended her life in January, but she did write there was nothing anyone could do. And it's something that has really rippled through the police department and is heartbreaking for all of us. And we, we really feel for the Chan family that have to go through um, the aftermath of this. Vancouver's police chief says as soon as Chan came forward with allegations of misconduct 
action was taken. When those allegations were brought to light, we immediately went to the Office of the Police Complaints Commissioner. An outside agency, the New Westminster Police, was brought in to conduct the investigation. Chan's sister says Nicole was struggling with anxiety and depression when she came forward in 2017, making allegations about inappropriate relationships with two senior officers, Sergeant Greg McCullough and Sergeant Dave Van Patten, who was in human resources at the time. I believe that she felt pressured into it and she was not in a good mental state to um, basically tell them no. She felt like she couldn't say no to them. In an email to Chan's family, the OPCC said McCullough received a 15-day suspension, in part for entering into a relationship knowing Nicole was in a vulnerable state mentally and emotionally. McCullough resigned from the force. Van Patten is still with the VPD. A decision in his case is pending. There were findings and a report done out by the chief constable of the New Westminster Police, and that is now working its way through the disciplinary process. There will be a hearing coming up in fairly short order, and we'll see what the outcome is. While the OPCC says it acknowledges the seriousness of this matter, the office says it is bound by the Police Act. Therefore, it cannot comment at this time. We reached out to both officers for a response. We did not hear back by airtime. It's been 20 months since Chan came forward. Her family wondering why there's still no resolution. Romina Dea, Global News. Indigenous leaders from across B.C. gathered in Abbotsford today to call for the return of a sacred burial site. Lightning Rock, as it is known to Indigenous people, sits at the base of Sumas Mountain in Abbotsford. The burial site dates back to 1782, when hundreds, if not thousands, of Stolo peoples died during the smallpox e epidemic. The current owners of the site, Coldwater Ranch, intend, intended to develop the property until hearing of the sacred Stolo site. Since 2012, the company has been negotiating with the province to return the site back to the Sumas people, but has yet to reach a settlement for their costs. The value here goes well beyond the price tag of a property to a value of cultural heritage that's, that's relevant and significant to the Sumath, the Stolo, Coast Salish, and the broader British Columbian and Canadian publics. This is a sacred burial site. This is a complete no-brainer. Our only task ought to be, how do we get to yes on this? And let's do it fast. The province says the site is not protected under the specific criteria of the Heritage Conservation Act, but is working to find a solution. A reversal and apologies at a council meeting in Victoria last night. The mea culpa stems from the backlash caused by a motion to ask the military to help pay for events such as Remembrance Day. As Kylie Stanton reports, while the councillor who brought forward the motion to begin with originally had some support, last night councillors chose to not even entertain the idea. It is we who must shed our blood to pay for your freedoms. After waiting a week to address Victoria City Council and its controversial motion that's offended veterans across the country, there's no holding back. For those who voted for it, you should be ashamed of yourselves. The amendment introduced by Councillor Ben Isaac, suggesting veteran affairs and the Department of National Defense would help pay for Remembrance Day, passed 5-3 to three last week. 
outraging the public, particularly veterans. The fact it happened on the 75th anniversary of D-Day didn't help. It was a slap in the face to everyone, every man and woman that's ever put on the uniform. Still, the support for the motion meant it would move forward. But when it came to this vote... Would anyone like to move number two? Okay, uh, no. It died before there was any chance for debate. All members of council gave sober second thought, um, and those of us who did not support the motion uh, last week, I think we're very happy to see it not even hit the floor this evening. The offer that came from London Drugs to cover the cost of the Remembrance Day events over the next few years was also discussed. I want to say to them, thank you, but we've got this. Uh, please consider donating uh, your generous offer to veterans uh, or wounded warriors organizations. And then came the apologies. I deeply regret the impact that last week's discussion had. And thank you all for your service. As for Isit, he went on to accuse the corporate media of orchestrating a smear campaign against his character. To be frank, I think this agenda is dangerous and it undermines our democratic institutions. He declined to comment to media at the meeting and again today via text message he wrote, To be honest, I don't trust what your editors will do with the story. Usually I would have time to deal with the backlash from media spinning, but this weekend I do not. Sorry. It's unanimously gone. But with the motion no longer an issue, the city plans to turn its attention to the fallout, trying to repair its reputation and the damage that's been done. Victorians are here and we listen to Canadians. And I think that's a very, very strong thing for a council to literally change its mind. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. A Vancouver-based nonprofit that provides therapy dog services to those in need has been hit by thieves. Eco Village says over $25,000 worth of equipment was stolen from its van after a therapy dog event at UBC Wednesday night. Custom-made harnesses, leashes, collars, even a specialized doggy stroller were all taken from the vehicle. The group is hoping that people will keep an eye on websites like Craigslist and Kijiji for any of the missing items. Vancouver police have confirmed they are investigating, but so far no arrests have been made. Right now, Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum's latest idea for the city has even him admitting it is one that's outside the box. McCallum is floating an idea for a wandering canal, likening it to the canals in Venice. Jennifer Palma has more on where it would go and reactions so far. A scenic walk, a place to explore, and Surrey's mayor wants more avenues like that, so he's come up with an idea that needs imagination. A Surrey canal. I think it would be a good tourist attraction, especially if they have those Italian rowers. Venice is one of the places that comes to mind when you hear canal. How about Amsterdam or closer to home, Ottawa's Rideau Canal? But why Surrey? I think as our city is growing, we, we need to look at things that are outside the box sometimes. Doug McCallum's idea, something like this Indianapolis Canal, is a thought he's been toying with ever since a trip to the Middle East. In Indianapolis um, Canal, people can walk alongside, they can have um, food, there's restaurants on the side of it. But where would the canal go? McCallum says the Fraser River could feed it, and maybe they could enlist under utilized roadways. I've asked staff to start to look at uh, whether we could maybe use um, roads that are not being used that much right now. Um, because that would provide the land to do it. Honestly, I thought it was a joke. Not everyone is sold on the idea. Many stating Surrey has more pressing issues to spend money on. 
Our city is short of funds. We need to be spending it. We need to be spending it wisely. We need to be putting on infrastructure, building new schools, improving the roads, improving the transit system. There's a lot of work to be done, not building canals. I'm going to carry on. I'm going to look at it. It's not the first time McCallum has come up with this type of idea. He did bring Surrey Lake to the city years ago. As for the canal, there's no plan or budget yet. For now, it's just a watery pipe dream. Jennifer Palma, Global News. A new report indicates road trip range anxiety is pumping the brakes on electric vehicle purchases. The report from BC Hydro finds 70% of BC residents are not giving EVs the green light because they don't think the vehicles can be taken on out-of-town trips. However, the majority of the road trips taken by British Columbians are apparently less than 300 kilometers one way. And that is the range many of the latest, most popular EVs can travel on a single charge. The report finds drivers are also worried there won't be enough charging stations along their route. But BC Hydro has a network of 58 fast charging stations in the province. So our fast charging stations can charge the average electric vehicle battery to 80% in about 30 minutes. Um, so they're located actually in stops that are around shopping centres and food stops and all of that. So it makes stopping to charge actually quite convenient. Well, just a few hours after Toronto Raptors fans' celebrations wrapped up last night, they were lined up this morning trying to buy a piece of history. But with the supply of official NBA championship memorabilia limited, some early birds managed to make a profit. 50 bucks. Uh, I'll give it to you for 200. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay for it. Let's go. Now, while all of Canada celebrated, it is Toronto that's mostly looking ahead to the victory parade and beyond. They just have to get rid of the citywide after-party headache first. Canada, the NBA title is yours! After the party, it's the after-party. And after the after-party, it's... I'm very hungover today. A really difficult work day. It was worth it, definitely. But yeah, it's hard to be at work right now. An NBA championship kind of night comes with a championship kind of hangover. When it's a celebration 24 years in the making, why not let the party run 24 hours straight? Some brave enough to wake up from the championship-sized coma found themselves waiting in a long lineup for championship gear. Probably about an hour now. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be worth it? Oh, definitely worth it. 100% <laughs> worth it. This is history in the making. It's been crazy. It's been fun. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's electric out here, and uh, we've been lined up since 8 o'clock. Ontario Chamber of Commerce says the NBA Finals saw the economy surge across all areas, including transportation, hospitality, and tourism. Airbnb reported a spike of 25% uh, on Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Hotel occupancy rates have been increasing as well. And completely changed the way the world views Toronto. For now, those who marched into work today have a backup plan on how they hope to celebrate the Raptors' win as NBA champs. We, we can uh, leave the sick day for Monday for the parade. <laughs> Camille Karamoli, Global News. Now, it wasn't all good. A few bad apples did cause problems in some parts of the city. At least two Toronto police cruisers and two police special event buses were vandalized. One person was seriously injured and a number of others were arrested. In general, though, the violence was relatively isolated. Coming up, Dad to the Rescue. And I don't think I've ever told any of my children I loved them so much so many times. 
When a shark attacked his little girl, this father did the only thing he could do. Plus, eat your heart out. The rules are laid out for cannabis edibles. A surveillance camera in southern China captures a landslide sweeping away cars at a farm market. One person was killed. China has entered the rainy season when floods and landslides are common. At least 61 people have died this year and 356,000 others have been evacuated as those heavy rains sweep through the region. Also caught on video in southern China, the sudden collapse of a bridge. The video shows a 120-meter section of the bridge in Guangdong province collapsing in seconds and without any apparent warning signs. At least two cars plunged into the water. One man was rescued, but two others are still missing. The cause of the collapse is under investigation, including whether the heavy rains and flooding might have weakened the structure. Now, an inspiring story out of North Carolina tonight that began with a near tragedy in the ocean. The father of a 17-year-old girl who was attacked by a shark is sharing the story of how he rescued his daughter. For her part, she's not letting those life-changing injuries stop her. I'm not alone. 17-year-old Paige Winter lost her left leg and two fingers when she was attacked by a shark in these waters off North Carolina. I want people to see that I'm doing all right. Today, just 12 days later, amazingly upbeat. When I was in that water, I was like praying. I'm like, I'm 17. I got so much to do. <laughs> Today, her dad, Charlie, recounted his fight with the shark, pulling Paige from its jaws. It was just an immediate dad thing. I grabbed her with my left arm and I pulled her up over the water. And when I pulled her up, a shark came up with her. He struggled to shore his daughter in his arms. And I don't think I've ever told any of my children, I loved them so much so many times. As a paramedic, he knew stopping the bleeding was vital. Doctors say the two most critical factors to Paige's survival, her courageous father, and a belt used as a tourniquet. Paige's nurse says her patient okay is brave and determined. And she looked at me, she goes, okay, we're gonna get out of this bed tomorrow. Paige remains an advocate of marine life. On social media, her hashtag is sharks are still good people. The fight to survive, fueling a teen with an unstoppable attitude. To be able to do just kind of like everything. Kerry Sanders, NBC News, Atlantic Beach, North Carolina. Another video has surfaced raising red flags about autonomous cars. This driver is clearly fast asleep at the wheel as his Tesla Model 3 drives down Interstate 405 in California. Even more alarming, other drivers say he was asleep for at least 50 kilometers. Tesla says its driver assistance technology requires the driver to be alert and ready to take control at any time. No word on whether police have been able to track down the driver. A Chinese panda research facility is releasing pictures of a record-breaking preemie, the world's lightest panda. The baby, shown here with her sister, also born on Tuesday, weighs one and a half ounces. That's about the weight of an average chicken egg, and that's less than one quarter the weight of her sister. The base says the cub is now in stable condition, but is still under round-the-clock care, in part to make sure her sister doesn't accidentally trample her. 
In Health Matters tonight, Health Canada has laid out its rules for cannabis edibles and other extract products. The regulations will actually take effect October 17th, but cannabis license holders must provide 60 days notice of their intent to sell new products. So the earliest the edibles would hit store shelves is December 17th. A recent report from Deloitte estimates this new generation of pot products will be worth more than $2.7 billion to the Canadian cannabis market. Well, just ahead of Father's Day, a new study has some troubling news about new Canadian dads. They're much less likely than men in other developed countries to take time off after the birth of a child. Linda Aylesworth explores the possible reasons. When Ara came into the world 18 months ago, her parents decided to care for her the traditional way. Mom stayed home while dad went to work. It turned out to be a plan that neither was entirely happy with. I found myself looking at the clock a lot, waiting for him to get home, um, especially when I wanted to get things done, like take a shower. I felt like I was missing out every day. I come home, the baby's doing something different, uh, rolled over, missed her first uh, rollover. Every week, father comes home with money for Tommy and for mother. That's the way it's been done for a very long time. Even today, it's ingrained in our culture, particularly in Canada. An international study shows Canadian men take less paternity leave than in most other developed countries. There really has been a lot of barriers just in terms of that idea that men can and should request leave to take care of their children. Earlier in my career, parental leave was known as a career killer. But these days, it's common for both parents to have careers. That women are most often the ones to take time off the job to raise the kids is usually because they make less money. That wage gap is... Uh, potentially economically disadvantaging men more from taking parental leave and taking time to step out of their careers. And then there's the stigma of being Mr. Mom. But when Harry and Jazz learned that baby Case was on the way, they decided to do it differently no matter what others thought. A lot of people are shocked. Uh, A couple of people made comments overall, like, you know, taking parental leave, what, what are you doing? But even with that and the reduced income that comes when both parents are on leave, Harry has no regrets. He's even inspiring others to do the same. I have some other young uh, dads in, in my office and they're already saying, you know, next time around they're going to take parental leave as well. But you're not going to get this time back, so you should take it, right? <laughs> Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Now, a happy update to a story we told you about last night about a Vancouver Island girl fighting for her life and asking for help from the B.C. government. Three-year-old Charlie is one of only 13 children in Canada with Batten disease, a genetic disorder that causes several painful and debilitating symptoms. Her family was asking the province to fund a recently approved drug that could stop or slow down her symptoms at a cost of about a million dollars per year. We can tell you tonight the government has approved that funding. From the one hand, it's such a sobering place, but for, like, from the other hand, it's a beautiful place. The hot new tourist destination, thanks to a TV miniseries where you're checked for contamination when you leave. Details right after the forecast. <laughs> a little souvenir you can take home with you. All right, Kasia Badurka is here with a look at our forecast. And it cooled off a little bit, Kasia, but, uh, you know, not, not a terrible thing, to be honest. No, no, it was a little, it was a little much.
Over the past few days, record-breaking temperatures. Now we're not so much in record-setting territory, but the heat is back. I'll show you how warm it'll be getting over the next few days. Meantime, today's daytime high around 20, 21 across the lower mainland. Overnight low of about 13, and tomorrow is going to be a beauty of a day for many of us. But the skies were all lit up yesterday. This was taken outside of Kamloops Chase, B.C. by Marvin Beatty of all the action that was going on. And it was Environment Canada that confirmed with this graph over 24,000 lightning strikes lit up the skies yesterday and it was Environment Canada that said we were just as electric as the Toronto Raptors were yesterday. A uh, good one on their behalf. Meanwhile, we still do have a thunderstorm risk across all areas marked in blue here. We have been watching it throughout even this morning across the northeast of the province. Prince George, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a lightning strike also through the evening and the overnight hours. We'll be clearing through the night though. Meanwhile, because of all the dry weather that we have been seeing across the southern half of the province, the latest fire danger rating has us in a moderate to high risk of a fire being ignited across the south. You can see that in the browns and the yellows. Just please be careful, of course, the weekend being upon us, being very careful with the campfires as well as the cigarette butts out there. Meanwhile, current winds, you can see this at the upper level. It's actually at surface level even that you can see this next system that's oscillating out in the Pacific in a counterclockwise way. That's going to be bringing us showers over Haida Gwaii tomorrow as well as the north coast but everybody else look at all that sunshine winds develop with this system for you near Bella Coola tomorrow also gusty conditions along the Okanagan with temperatures well above seasonal a good five to seven degrees above seasonal for a lot of us and this a look at what to expect over the south coast my goodness it's going to be a beauty of a day your long-range forecast look at this this one's for the dads out there perfect barbecuing weather. Our weather window today brought to us by Debbie and Ken. That's Ken on horseback. You can see Mount Baker in the background mm -hmm. at Boundary Bay. Isn't this a beauty? That's cool. Hey. Nice. Yeah. Thank you very much, Debbie and Ken and Kasha. A new American TV miniseries is driving up tourism at an unlikely place. I'm pleased to report that the situation in Chernobyl is stable. The HBO series depicts the explosion 33 years ago at the nuclear power plant at Chernobyl and the controversy that followed. Tourists are allowed into some areas that have been declared safe, and tour agencies say business is up 40% since the series began. Well, I'm not sure where it started from, but the area around the plant, once home to 50,000 people, looks like a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Wow. <coughs> Pardon me. We're st <coughs> where stray animals roam freely and vegetation encroaches into windowless, empty buildings. An abandoned amusement park is also being retaken by nature, including a Ferris wheel that was never actually used. Visitors are checked for radioactive contamination as they leave. Okay, very good here. Not contaminated and congratulations. <laughs> Now, there is some controversy. Some tourists have been criticized for posting flippant pictures online, prompting the writer of the HBO series to call for more respect from visitors. Wow. I don't think I ever want to go to a place where I need a Geiger counter to check me out right. when I leave. I'd like to be checked out. I was in Poland at the time that it happened. Oh, were you? So I'm pretty curious about my level of radiation. <laughs> okay. Just a side note. <laughs> wow. Wow, Think, I didn't realize that. Things we're learning about Kasha. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, see what we can, we'll see what we can arrange. Can we shoot a segment about it, too? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the show is good, though. On that note, I don't yeah. know how you beat that one. I, I can't. <laughs>
I was just, we were just watching. Former Grizzlies boss right. Stu Jackson, the guy who didn't want Steve Nash, didn't think Steve Nash could play in the NBA, and then one year had to hand him the MVP award because he's working for the which, league. Which time, the first or the second? Uh, the first time, I think. <laughs> and, yeah, but two. And then, of course, after they, they just showed an old clip of him after the Raptors acquired Kawhi Leonard saying, oh, well, Kawhi Leonard, he won't do anything for the Raptors. Right. Basically, he can't beat the Celtics. He can't. Yeah, that's right, Stu. That's why you never got another Don't GM take advice job. from him. Uh, okay. So, this from uh, last night. As the Raptors were starting to celebrate their NBA championship last night, the man who built this team, Masai Ujiri, the man who made the trade for Kawhi Leonard, was being kept from celebrating with his team by a sheriff's deputy who says he didn't know who he was and said Ujiri did not show the appropriate VIP pass if you like to get on the floor. And he said Ujiri tried to push past him. The deputy also said that the Raptors boss struck him in the face while he was trying to push his way through. Now, if that's not enough, the Oakland police are thinking of charging Ujiri with a misdemeanor assault, although they never thought of charging the Warriors' co-owner for pushing Kyle Lowry earlier in the series. Anyway, here's a video of what was happening just after the alleged pushing took place. You can see, though, there is still tension on the floor. Watch. Now there's someone holding back the sheriffs, and there you see Ujiri right over there. Someone's holding back him, just trying to keep the peace. Eventually, you'll see Kyle Lowry come in and grab his president and pull him over to the Raptors, right coming up. Right, right, right here. Come on, celebrate with us. Get away from the, uh, the cops. Let's celebrate, yeah, that's what was happening. We will, I don't think they'll charge them, or at least they shouldn't. Uh, tomorrow, the BC Lions start the season at home against Winnipeg. Will the Lions be lucky with number 13? Mike Riley, of course, brought back to BC. This is where he started. He was once Travis Lule's caddy, but now he's the man asked to lead the Lions back to a championship level. It's a lot to ask just one man. The Lions have to hope the other players they brought in this year can help Riley as well. Mike Riley is ready to go to work in his second stint as a BC Lion. He's here for one reason only, to lead the Lions to a Grey Cup. He is the highest paid player in the league because he's the best quarterback in the CFL. But on its own, that does not guarantee success. In his six seasons in Edmonton, Riley did win one Grey Cup, but last year his team didn't even make the playoffs. It takes more than a great quarterback to be the champs. Yeah, you got to get everybody to play together. I mean, football's the ultimate team sport. You, you go out there and you start trying to do a bunch of crazy stuff that's not within your system, you're not going to be successful. Again, everybody's got a job to do, and if we all follow it and execute together as one, um, you know, good things will happen. Um, having Mike Riley is cool, but if we're playing in games that are 50 to 45, that's not a good situation to put him in. But we don't want it to all be on his shoulders. You know, we want to make it easy on him. The Lions made sure they went out and upgraded their offensive line to protect their $700,000 men. And they also emphasized bringing in some playmakers on defense. Surround Riley with talent so he can be his most effective. We're going to let him be the best quarterback, and we're just going to play around him and hold teams, get him the ball as many times as we can. The more opportunities he's got, the more points we should score. The more points we score, the bigger the win should be. It just makes me that much more confident on the field, and I know the guys around him are just going to be that much more confident, and all our games going to raise to another level. The Lions will get a chance to check out their level Saturday night in their season opener against the Blue Bombers. Very delay, Global Sports. 
Boy, it's amazing he was able to spin that. Always one. clean your grips. Tiger Woods, U.S. Open. Is that the key? Well, that's not the only key. I mean, I have very clean grips and I still suck. So there, it really doesn't help. But you'd be worse if your habit. grips were greasy and slippery. Tiger Woods even par after uh, two rounds, so he will make the cut. Phil Mickelson chipping in, and he's still on the course at three under par, which is only five off the lead. Rory McIlroy won the Canadian Open last week with a tremendous Sunday, and this is going in. He is three off the lead right now at five under par. Brooks Kepka, Mr. Major the last few years. He's won the last two U.S. Opens, and he's not far back. He's only four off the lead right now at minus four. Justin Rose had the lead for a while in the clubhouse. This is one of the reasons. He's at seven under par. That's a good bounce and a good shot and a great result. But the guy who has the lead right now, yet he is not quite finished, is Gary Woodland. And if you sink this putt, you get the boat. <laughs> Well done. Well, he's got the boat. Well, minus eight. He can probably afford a boat. Uh, Canadian women tomorrow at the World Cup against New Zealand. All right. I wonder if she lined up for it. <laughs> Just people for that, probably. Okay. Okay. You ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's do it then. Dude. So, our first offering <coughs> on satellite debris is from AT&T, and it includes a disaster and a musical all in one commercial. What's that? What's the, uh... Folks, there's a bit of road damage, so we'll be taking a slight detour. I'll try to get you there as quick as possible. More movies with AT&T. That was the strangest thing ever. I kind of like it. I know. I want to see the full musical now. Okay. Next, it's like a plane going down. They start singing. Right. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So this one is um, what happens if you're a cookie and you mistakenly or you foolishly swim in milk. See what I mean. Daddy biscuit boy sets out from tooth and thick to splash about. A lake of purest, craven dale, just creamy, fresh and cool and pale. The mother warned, don't swim too long. He dips and dunks, but could do wrong. 
So listen well to this milky tale. You could lose your head over Cravendale. Cravendale. That's a good tip. That's just a good safety tip. I talking animals that I enjoyed, but talking... Talking cookies. cookies. Yeah. Okay, well, here's your talking cats. But wait, mm. it's talking cats followed by talking babies and dancing. Inner happiness from delicious Onken yogurt. It's a bit like your cat finally showing you some appreciation. So, Alan, I'd just like to say you've been doing an all right job at looking after me. I know I don't say it enough, but I like you. Yeah, said it. Thanks. Don't make it awkward. Feed your inner happiness with delicious Onken yogurt. All you gotta do is look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. I mean the bare necessities, old mother nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. Whatever I want, whatever I roam, whatever I roam, I couldn't be fond of my big home. The bare necessities of life will come to you. They'll come to you. Hey, you. And talking, talking babies. babies or bus disaster musical. What say you? Well, talking cat with the mm. British accent. Yeah, it's true. Same. Yeah. Because as you said, that's probably how a cat would sound if oh, yeah. they could talk. With the your adequate balloon. Yeah. Very quick word on the weather before we go. It's going to be a beauty of a weekend. Sun and clouds tomorrow. I'm sorry you have to work all weekend. Thank you. That's all right. Be here all <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. Happy Father's Day.